Is it possible for a person to get not just rebuked from heaven, but rather the worst possible sin on their account, deserving of death penalty as a result of their giving of tzedakah? Now, if you would say, yeah, of course, if they give their charity to some idol-worshipping monk or something, or some place that uh, is uh, serving the rats as the god, then surely they're going to get, uh, they're not going to get rewarded for it, and perhaps maybe even get punished. But what if I told you, somebody's going to give millions of dollars to an orthodox synagogue, but yet they're going to get a deeper genom than perhaps even Yeshu himself. Is that possible? Is that possible? The answer is yes. How so? Let's see. The Chachamim teach us that in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, verses 8 and 9, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, You shall not reject the Edomite, for he is your brother. You shall not reject the Egyptian, for you were a sojourner in his land. So here we see that the Edomites are allowed to convert to Judaism, and even the Egyptians, although they don't exist anymore. The Egyptians of today are not really connected to the Egyptians of the past. Something, same thing like the Greeks of today are not connected to the Greek empire of a couple of thousand years ago. But yet, you have another place where it says, the children who are born to them in the third generation may enter the congregation of, of Hashem. And there were specific converts that came from this over the years on the other hand we have certain people that we cannot accept their converts who are they? the Moabites Moabite men cannot convert course they don't exist anymore why because they caused the masses to sin with the sin of a in parashat balak where the midianites and the moabites sent their women to cause amisrael to sin in the sifri in parashat kititze in piska 252 in the name of rabbi shimon bar yochai says that the convert that comes from the nations that caused Am Yisrael to sin, which is Ammon and Moab, two nations, they're forbidden to convert forever because they caused Am Yisrael to sin. And therefore, they are worse than the murderers of Egypt and the murderers of Edom. 
And this is to teach us, says Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that one who kills a body here in this world is much less of a sinner than one who causes another Jew to sin because he is killing both his body and his soul. Even if the murderer was murdering bodies for 210 years and the one that's murdering a soul is murdering it after a single speech that could take five minutes, that person that caused the person to sin after giving him a speech for five minutes or allowing someone to speak heretical thoughts, heretical ideas, idolatrous beliefs, that person is a much greater sinner and thereby worse than even Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and if you want to use a more a uh, modern example, someone that is a missionary to Christianity, to heretical thoughts that are against the Torah, or someone that brings a missionary to their community, or allows missionary by working together with them in some way, is 100%, I should correct, a thousand million percent, which is a billion, percent worse than Hitler. Again, I repeat, so you don't think that I'm misspeaking. Someone that is a missionary for Christianity, someone that's a missionary for what they call Messianic Judaism, which is just another name for evangelical Christians. Someone that is promoting that type of belief. Someone that is promoting heretical thoughts against the Torah, such as that God needs us rather than we need God. Someone that tells you that God is three rather than one and only. Someone that is actually not even saying those things, but allows those things to be said in their synagogue, under their leadership, and worse yet, someone that pays for this to happen, promotes for this to happen, helps for this to happen, participate in such a thing happening, is much, much worse than Hitler himself that murdered six million Jews and dozens of millions of other non-Jews. Did you understand what I said here? Your average heretical speaker that we've spoken about in the last seven years, according to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the rest of our Chachamim, is much worse than Adolf Hitler, Himach Shimo Vezicho, that murdered grandparents, uncles, children, everybody. That local guy that has a YouTube channel or a synagogue or whatever it is, some charity that's promoting heresy is worse than Hitler. Now, you may not believe what I say. In fact, many people did not believe what I said about five years ago when I 
warned the Boca Raton synagogue by first approaching their leadership, led by a heretic named Ephraim Goldberg, who considers himself a rabbi and even a dayan, that is authorized by the Rabbanut to do conversions. Some even say poised to be a leader of the rabbinical alliance in America, the RCA. Someone that is a well-respected modern Orthodox that considers himself an Orthodox rabbi, respected in the community, has connections to different politicians, wealthy people, scholars, other heretics of call, priests, pastors, all types of idol worshippers, but nonetheless, beloved by many. Until you identify the crimes. Several years ago, when I was living in Boca Raton, literally a stone throw away from the Boca Raton synagogue that I would attend, I found out that the Boca Raton synagogue under the leadership of Ephraim Goldberg and the rest of his colleagues, Moskowitz and some other people, were uh, inviting a person by the name of Matthew Kelly to the synagogue to give a chizuk lecture event to tell them about the purpose of life. Now, quite frankly, I wasn't necessarily so well-versed in all of the speakers of the world, but as a speaker myself, for over 20 years, well before I got into the Torah world, I'm always interested in what people speak about and why and who and what and when, so I looked into it. And what I discovered shocked me, because I discovered that this Matthew Kelly is not your traditional speaker. Matthew Kelly is a Catholic missionary, but not just any Catholic missionary, perhaps rated the number one most successful Catholic missionary in the world. Now, when I first told this to a few people, they said, no, the Catholics do not missionize. You're wrong. The proof is that Matthew Kelly writes in his books and also has videos about how his ultimate purpose is to missionize and convert people to his beliefs, that according to our Torah considered idol worship. So much so that the Rambam Paskins Lalacha, that if a non-Jew, whether they are Christian, Arab, or anybody else, if they write a Sefer Torah, it's a mitzvah to burn it. You cannot use it, it's Pasul. And everybody that understands the Sefer Torah, how holy it is, but if it's written by a person that's not a Jew, Needless to say, if that person has idolatrous beliefs, it becomes a mitzvah to destroy that Sefer Torah. This is our beliefs. This is not my beliefs. 
This is our beliefs as Jews. All Jews that observe the Torah believe this. A Jew that does not believe this is not observant of the Torah. Now this Matthew Kelly says in a video that his whole goal is to missionize and convert people to believe in Jesus, that he is what they consider a Messiah, but their definition of Messiah is that they believe is divine, he's part of God, which obviously according to us, it's 100% idol worship, that's what the Rambam Paskins, that's what the majority of Chachamim Paskin, that Christianity, Catholicism, it's all the same uh, for all intents and purposes, and it's all considered idol worship according to our Torah. For a Jew, Shituf is idolatry. For the Jew, that's a form of idolatry. If a Jew were to convert to or, or take on Christianity, that Jew would be practicing idolatry. That is the position of Rabbeinu Tam. That's the position of Tosfos. The Rambam's analysis is Christianity is full-fledged idolatry and therefore invokes the rules that we discussed, apply to idolatry, fraternization, transactions, business, Distancing ourselves, distancing ourselves. The Rambam writes explicitly, if someone puts a gun to your head and says, convert to Christianity or die, which today is a theoretical question, but for the last 2,000 years was among the most practical that was asked on a daily basis to Jews. Today we are not have a gun against our head. Instead there are ads taken out by Jews for Jesus and missionaries who come up with much more subtle and conniving and nuanced ways of trying to convert us by Jews for Jesus and missionaries who've come up with much more subtle and conniving and nuanced ways of trying to convert us. But if someone puts a gun against your head and says, convert to Christianity or die, what is the halachic conclusion for the Rambam? One must die. What's the halachic conclusion for Rabbi Tam? One must die. Because for a Jew it's idolatry. Avodah is one of the three cardinal sins. One must, one must uh, concede their life for worshiping an idol. Sometimes people ask me, Matthew, why do you do what you do? There's lots of reasons, but at the core of that, I want people to experience the joy that I've experienced by discovering the genius of Catholicism. I want people to experience the joy that comes from trying to live the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's missionary zeal. That's taking the message out into the world. That's taking God's joy out into the world. You see, God doesn't call us to live in some tiny little Catholic ghettos all walled off from the world. He wants us to go out into the world. He wants us to change the world. Our mission is to transform the world. Now, him preaching to other non-Jews is his problem and their problems. But the second that this Matthew Kelly was invited to a Jewish community with a thousand families, I understood that this is something that Hashem brought to my attention for a reason. And before losing my mind, I simply figured, Kapschut, 
These are rabbis that have been rabbis for many years. Surely they made a mistake because he, this Matthew Kelly has a business side. He has a business side. He does business, all types of consulting and so on. Perhaps they think he's going to... He, that's what he is. Perhaps they don't know that he's really a missionary. Even though it took me all but five seconds to figure out that he's a missionary and to find material that shows he's a missionary since he has a book talking about Jesus. But nonetheless, perhaps... Somebody recommended them and the rabbis are not well-versed with the internet. They never heard of such a thing. They never looked up the speaker that's going to speak to a thousand families. Anyway, I approached them. I told them that you do realize that you have a missionary coming to the synagogue. And of course, as our way, when we do our work, whether it was on Wall Street for almost 20 years or in the rabbinical world, we bring sources. Without sources, the argument is worthless. Somebody came to me with a recommendation of an investment of some kind. If they didn't give me facts, it wouldn't be a recommendation. It would just simply be exit in the same place that you entered. You're wasting my time. No different in the Torah world. Some people say, I disagree with what you said. No problem. You can disagree all you want. You have sources that disagree. Or it's just your opinion. If it's your opinion, please Go give that to somebody else. You're wasting my time. Why? Because that's how it works in the world. That's how it works in the Torah world. That's how it works in the world. You cannot just simply disagree because you have feelings or different thoughts. You have to bring supporting evidence. I brought supporting evidence. I think it was no less than a half a dozen or more. Different proofs that this Matthew Kelly is a Christian or Catholic missionary. That his goal is to convert Jews and anybody else he can catch, but primarily Jews, to Christianity. I brought this to Ephraim Goldberg, I emailed him, and I was simply shocked by the nonchalant response that I got. After a back and forth exchange, I realized that my efforts are in vain. I told Ephraim that this is not something that I'm going to keep between us. I'm going to go public with this. He should stop the event. He's putting an entire community in danger. Ephraim did not agree with me. He thought he's smarter than everybody else. He still does think everybody is stupid according to him. And Ephraim continued. Why? Because he had supporters for his stupidity. Different wealthy people that fund the community. One person that... You can figure out their name simply by the school that's attached to the community. Very wealthy Jew. Loves Ephraim Goldberg. Him and his wife practically are best friend with Ephraim Goldberg. You see them in the Ephraim Goldberg videos. One of the biggest funders of the Ephraim Goldberg empire. The heretical empires funded by these rich Jews. I'm here to tell you that every single dollar that they've donated to Ephraim Goldberg's Ideas, they're going to get punished for it severely if they don't do Juba. Why? Because Ephraim Goldberg was putting a thousand families at risk. And after we went public with it, we had a few friends that joined us, Rab Mizrahi, Shichye, and then we got some signatures from some big rabbis, the biggest one being Rav Kamenetsky, Shichye, say, uh, signed within five seconds. And we did as much as we possibly could to publicize this warning to the world that there is a well-known rabbi that's also a dayan 
that is promoting Christianity and promoting something that is against our Torah in every way, shape, or form. I had a two and a half hour lecture discussing the halachic ramifications, explaining to people that when someone is a Christian missionary, they're considered according to our Torah a min, M-I-N, and thereby we are forbidden from being even four amot, which is six feet. We're not even allowed to be within six feet of such a person. Needless to say, we're not allowed to speak to them. Needless to say, times a million, we're not allowed to honor them by giving them the stage to speak to an entire community of Jews about anything. But Ephraim Goldberg disagreed and continued disagreeing publicly and actually upped the ante by making the event by Matthew Kelly free when it was initially supposed to cost money. We continued making the noise and who had mercy on us while the dumb, stupid rabbi Ephraim Goldberg refused to swallow his ego because his supporters, the Katz family and the others continued to support him and back him and the community more or less stayed quiet. Even the ones that agreed with me, even the ones that were friends of mine, even the ones that were students of mine, all went into their little holes, afraid of death, as if Ephraim will kill them if they speak to me. Ephraim will kill them if they uh, if they uh, side with me. Even the ones that said, Rabbi, I agree with you. Your own, I agree with you. Buddy, I agree with you. Whatever they called me, they said, I agree with you. I said, okay, so say something. Now, nah, listen, I live here. My kids go to school here. This, that. The other thing, I said, you realize that you you are partner in all of this. Yeah, but you don't understand. You don't this, you don't that. No problem. We continued. We fought the best we possibly could. We put our efforts to the highest level that we can. Almost to the point where I almost missed the Brit Milah of my own son. Day and night we worked. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu had mercy on us. While the community at large did not have mercy on themselves. The Boca Raton Synagogue community did not have mercy on itself. Even though many of them agreed. They simply said, listen, I just won't go. I said, not going is not an option. You have to rebuke. You have to warn people. You have to fire Ephraim Goldberg for doing this. No one listened. Why? I was the new rabbi that's going crazy. I'm the fanatic. But the big rabbis disagreed with the community because they signed a letter. Rabbi Tzach Yosef called Ephraim Goldberg, even though it was already after the event was canceled, and told him that if he goes forward with this event, he's for sure going to remove his rabbinical license and will be put on an international cherem. Ephraim Goldberg didn't write this in the blog, but I know this firsthand. How did the event get canceled? After all the noise that was caused by the few people that actually cared, many of them not even living in the community, the missionary, Matthew Kelly, that allegedly got paid $40,000 for this event, canceled the event. 
not sure whether he kept the money or he didn't but either way the missionary canceled the event realizing this is not a place i can call home ephraim goldberg came out with a blog saying that he cried when the missionary canceled the event he cried i wonder if he cried when the when we mourn for the destruction of the Beit Mikdash every year I wonder if he cries during Yom Kippur when he has to do tshuva for the million and a half sins he makes every single day with his heretical ideas. I wonder if he cries when the community has an intermarriage rate that's unlike any other. I wonder if he cried when my next door neighbor's daughter died from overdose two weeks after I moved. I wonder if he cried when my other neighbor that begged him, begged Ephraim Goldberg to allow him to go to the yeshiva, but he can't afford it, but yet Ephraim told him, listen, just send your kid to public school. I wonder if Ephraim cried after he told the Jewish parent to send his kid to public school if he doesn't have the money to pay for yeshiva. I wonder if Ephraim Goldberg cried about all these things. I wonder if the community also cried when they knew all this happened. I wonder if Ephraim Goldberg cried when his next door neighbor one of his buddies raped a little kid for years and the mother cried for years and until this day she cries because Ephraim Goldberg didn't cry and Ephraim Goldberg didn't say anything for years he didn't say anything while the kid was being molested I wonder if Ephraim Goldberg is crying today about it I promise you he will cry eventually I wonder if that day is going to be sooner than later but you see, Rabotai Ephraim Goldberg is a lost cause. You know how I know Ephraim Goldberg is a lost cause? Not because of five, six, seven years ago, but rather because of today. You see, Rabotai Karim, that very same community that spit me in the face after I did everything possible to protect them, to protect Judaism, to protect the honor of Akadosh Baruch Hu, that very same community is crying to me again. Oh, Rabbi, can you do something? What can I do about what? They're bringing a missionary again. Ribono shel olam. What do you mean? They're bringing a missionary again. On January 11th, the Boca Raton Synagogue is hosting what they're calling South Florida Night to celebrate Israel. You can find this on their website, brsonline.org. You have three keynote speakers. Surely, Ephraim Goldberg has to have a stage. It's his place after all. They're going to give some honor to the keynote speaker, the ambassador, David Freeman, which was a, a former U.S. ambassador to Israel. So far, not necessarily a problem. I wouldn't necessarily highlight a ambassador in my shul but you want to do it by all means we don't have a problem so far where do we have a problem when the other keynote speaker when the other partner in the whole event is a person that lives in my backyard here person by name of pastor mario bramnick president latino coalition to israel Pastor Mario Bramnick, for all intents and purposes, seems like a very nice guy. He probably is a nice guy. But unfortunately, to him and to us, his beliefs and his life's work 
is problematic according to our Torah. I'm not saying it in a nice way. Why? Mario Bremnik, he is the president of the Hispanic Israel Leadership Coalition. He was a speaker for the Israeli American Council. He's very politically connected. He has does a lot of work to connect himself to the land of Israel. But aside from that, his main gig is that he's a pastor. And Pastor Bramnik has a church. And this church is called New Wine Ministries. And New Wine Ministries does not confuse anybody by making them think that they are your simple Catholic church. Rather, no. They say on their own website, in the welcome page, we are a church with a divine design to advance the kingdom of God in our neighborhood, our county, our nation, and the nation of Israel. We are a church with a passion to evangelize, train and equip believers to attain their purposes and call of God in their lives. Pastor Bramnik is a missionary, a very ambitious missionary that has his primary focus on the Jewish people, just like their other evangelical Christians have one of their main core beliefs is to evangelize the Jewish people to believe in Jesus. This is the reason why their promotion, their events, their their teachings have become much more similar, or at least in the looks, to Judaism than they were in the previous generation. Perhaps one example on Pastor Bramnik's website is that he's about to have a Hanukkah Christmas celebration. Now, if you ask his great-grandfather, did his church celebrate a Hanukkah Christmas celebration? I assure you, the answer would be no. If you look up the Christian books from two, three, four, five, six hundred years ago, and you ask any of the pastors and the priests and the popes and whoever else, did you have a Hanukkah Christmas event? It's like, what do you mean? Like... A Hanukkah event to kill Jews? But that's what you're calling Hanukkah, like a joke? No, 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 like a Hanukkah, like you're celebrating Hanukkah, but also Christmas, like the unification of the Jews and the Christians. They'll look at you like, what What do you mean? Why? Why would there be a unification of the, of the Jews and the Christians? This is a relatively new invention. Now you would think, oh, this is very nice. Unity between the Christians and the Jews. Should be good. We live in America, after all. We live in England. We live in Australia. We live in most, mostly, mostly. We live in foreign lands. Shouldn't there be some type of friendship? Sure, friendship, yes. Unity, no. Now, Pastor Bremnik, for his beliefs, for his beliefs, he's doing good. In fact, I would love to have Pastor Bremnik on our team. Because if we can find rabbis 
that believe in the one and only God and the one and only Torah and forsake the New Testament, the Quran, and all of the other teachings. If I could have people as passionate as Pastor Bramnik, I bet you, within a few years, Mashiach's coming. Why? Because passion like this, dedication like this, is very hard to find. But what do we have? We have Ephraim Goldberg that brings the spiritual enemies into our own backyards. People that their job is to convert our people to their beliefs, that's who we have on our team, so-called team. Now, Pastor Bramnik is doing good for him, bad for us though. The problem is, Rabotaya Karim, is that the idolatrous nations are preaching their false beliefs as if they're true. While many of the rabbis that have the truth are preaching it like it's false because they're either scared to tell the truth or they're simply so confused by money they forgot what the truth even looks like. So we have a church, a pastor church in uh, the Broward County, Fort Lauderdale area. And uh, years ago, we would always have um, a night to honor Israel or, or, you know, some special event. And maybe seven years ago, we partnered with the Jewish Federation locally to do a joint Christian Jewish event combating anti-Semitism. And that was really the start of our journey. I invited uh, then uh, Deputy Foreign Minister Danny Ayalon, uh, Robert Stearns, our Congress people. We had pastors, rabbis. Our first event, I think we had about 2,000 people at a, um, a university assembly. And, and, and it, it was amazing. And it was uh, from there um, that um, we had a major event. And then the next day we had a pastor rabbi symposium of about a hundred pastors and rabbis. We, um, from there, I felt was birthed um, several initiatives that then went literally global since then. We started with South Florida because we have a, a, a lot of Christians, Hispanics and, and Jewish people. And my, my main thing is just let's bring everybody together and let's work together. And out of that um, was birthed our pro-Israel agenda, which now is through Latino Coalition for Israel, um, as well as a pastor rabbi Torah studies. So we started meeting uh, on that every month, one month in a church, one month in a synagogue, really for the most part talking on areas of commonality, on how much we do agree on uh, instead of differences and so forth and how we can build and learn from each other's community and establish a great relationship. It was a small group, about 15, um, still meets to this day. I have delegated the leadership of that. And uh, as you know, we actually did two major pastor rabbi symposiums on theological dialogue uh, with the last one with 200 people and we had, you know, different denominations, Christian denominations, but we also had um, um, uh, rabbis from Orthodox, conservative, reform backgrounds together, um, um, studying the Torah together, and it, it was pretty amazing. And unfortunately, Rabbi 
we have a serious problem. Why do we have a serious problem? Because Pastor Bremnik is about to come to Boca Raton Synagogue, give a nice speech, become friends with some people in the community. And as we learned from the previous shiur, and I highly recommend it for people to watch, to learn whether you're allowed to learn from a Christian, needless to say from a missionary, even if the missionary is Jewish. And you'll see how dangerous it is. But I'm going to give you some other source. A new source. A source we did not review before. A source that's new to me. A source that perhaps maybe you could show it to the supporters of Ephraim Goldberg because surely Ephraim Goldberg is a lost cause if he didn't learn his lesson from the Matthew Kelly debacle and he did not learn his lesson from the other debacles that have happened throughout the years with all of his other strange, unusual and heretical guests. I'm friends and play, can play golf with a reform rabbi colleague and, and can whatever, just unpredictable, just take the best. I, I love unpredictable people and being unpredictable. say that homosexuality is the worst sin and homosexuals are an abomination and none of that is supported by the Bible. To single out gay men and women as an abomination is a complete distortion of the Torah. The prohibition of homosexuality, as I've said many times, is like lighting fire on the Sabbath. If someone smokes a cigarette on the Sabbath or if someone lights a campfire on the Sabbath, they are not immoral. First of all, God loves you regardless. I tell gay Jewish men all the time, there's 613 commandments, you're not going to keep two? There's 611 left. Why have, why have we become so fixated on homosexuality? Do you, do you believe there's a soul or something like a soul, a pattern of information that represents who you are that floats off the body and goes, continues on? After so I, I don't know. I mean, know, honestly, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think anybody has a great verifiable account of, right, of, of right, that. Right. I, I have suspicions, but again, they're suspicions right, less, right. less about knowledge. What I do know, and the reason why I'm religious, is that a religious lifestyle that, that is based on certain fundamental premises, I think, makes life better for people. I think that the, the rules that are set down, yeah. uh, as currently understood at least, uh, are rules that that are likely to lead you to leading a happier and better life than than your pure reason alone, because pure reason alone, unleashed uh, without even those moorings in Judeo Christianity, can lead to a lot of really terrible places. So 
So I was curious, by the way, that the, you know the ancient Jews, uh, the, the shoal, and you don't go anywhere after your your death, right? Yeah, the the idea of the afterlife is uh, is a pretty modern invention in Judaism. Yeah. It really it really yeah. only crops up historically speaking a little bit in the prophets, and it's usually the late prophets. Right. And it's and it's really maybe as a response to early Christianity or or right. Greek thought. So yeah, in the in the Bible itself, there's no reference in the Torah. There's no right. reference to the afterlife. So what, what, what at do you all. think happens after the death of your body? So I mean. I only have suspicion because, again, uh, unverifiable. My suspicion is that if there, if there is a God, which I believe, uh, who exists outside of time and space, and that what animates me is that I'm made in the image of God, and that what animates my capacity is that I'm made in the image of God, that I reunify with God. That basically, there is a the, the traditional Jewish take on this has been that there's a cleansing process. Judaism doesn't believe in eternal hell, so it's instead this idea that there's a cleansing process for your for your soul, the part that you got from God, that spark of life that you got from God. You've schmutzed it, schmutzed it up while you're alive, and now there's a cleansing process, and then and that's what hell is, sort of. Uh, and then you are reunited with God, and you have greater understanding. Uh, the idea of me being a distinct personage outside of my body, I think, is is a difficult one. Without any further ado, what a pleasure, what a joy, what an honor to welcome <laughs> the one. And I'm, Mayor, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Hey friends, Mayor K here. In light of Valentine's Day, a day of love and connection, we're going to give a special couple a chance and the opportunity to have a space for love and connection. Let's go. Hey. 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 How are you? How are you? How are you? guys ready for a great day today? Mm-hmm. All right. Cherry. Oh, wait. Israel, you look beautiful. I'm sorry to interrupt the uh, the romance yeah. on this, this moment, but I did want to just um, take a moment to say thank you for mm-hmm. this incredible day. And truly, I know how difficult it may be back in the shelter to find time uh, together. Along with Williamsburg, Williamsburg Hotel, uh, we decided to get you guys uh, just a night here um, at the hotel so you guys could spend some time together. Happy Valentine's Day. to learn today and if anything he'll try to fight back to defend his stupid beliefs that are far into the Torah but let's just see what the Torah actually says he's gonna tell you that he is doing it for the sake of unity because we need unity in order to bring the people closer to God now before we answer that let's ask a question is Ephraim does anybody here believe that Ephraim Goldberg is better at doing Kiruv than let's say Arona Cohen I don't think anybody including his supporters would think so Tana Deve Eliyahu Eliyahu Rabba 14th section Aaron Cohen knew that something big has come to his hands, says Eliyahu Navi, meaning that he knew that he is influential. And therefore he would go 
and take a metal rope and tie it around his waist, around his hips, in order to hold up his jalabiya, his the dress of the day. So he can run. Why metal? Because if you tied it with fabric, it would loosen up and it would waste time to retighten it. Arona Cohen wanted to be dedicated to running. Where is he running? Where is he running? And the Avi says, after realizing that he has a gift of being influential, Arona Cohen would run from house to house, tent to tent of Klal Israel, in order to teach whoever was ignorant. Knocking on the door, say, Hi, I'm uh, Aaron. Uh, do you know Kriyat Shema? You know Shema Israel? Oh, you don't know? Oh, let me teach you. Do you know how to pray? Oh, you don't know? Let me teach you. You know how to learn Torah? How about this? I'll teach you one-on-one. The Gdolado, the biggest rabbi in the world. You have Moshe, you have Aaron. We're not talking about this is in Egypt. We're not talking about this is when Aaron Cohen was a little kid. We're talking about in Mount Sinai and thereafter for almost 40 years. Aaron Cohen, house to house, asking people, do you know Kriyat Shema? The Shema Yisrael, you know it? Oh, you don't know? Let me teach you. Well, you don't have anything else to do. You don't have other Torah to learn, Aaron Cohen. And anyway, we're at the generation of knowledge. How does somebody not know Shema Yisrael? How do you not know Torah? How do you know how to pray? You just went to Mount Sinai. Everybody's a prophet. Everybody saw the seven heavens. How do you not know Kriyat Shema? You have to be either a really, really dumb person or a really big heretic. How do you not know? I want to didn't ask this question. You know what I want to ask? Do you know it? You don't know it? Okay, so let me help you. And he went from one ignorant house to another ignorant house looking for people to teach them one-on-one Shema Yisrael. Shema Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Good, go ahead, repeat after me. But you say, Amunai. Okay. Shema, Israel, Hashem. No, no, not Hashem. Say Amunai, say the real name. I said it because, oh, okay. Shema, who is it again? Israel, Israel. Okay, okay, again. Shema, what did I say again? Okay, I'll, I'll write it for you. Shema, Israel, Hashem Elokeinu. And he would go, one after another, after, because we're talking about people that were a little bit dense. Arona Cohen, Gdoladol, Kodesh Kodeshim, house to house, figuring out who knows, who doesn't know, bringing people to the Torah, the Mishnah in Avot says. Bringing people to the Torah and not the Torah to people. He would go to people, but he would bring people to the Torah. Why? You don't bring the Torah to people and lower the Torah. You bring people up to the Torah. So Aaron Cohen did this. Did this and on him it is written. What is Chazal teaches this is referring to Aaron Cohen, who observed the words of the Emet of the Torah. That the lips of the Cohen observed Dat. Dat is the opinion of the Torah. The Avot the Rabbi Natan writes, Arona Kohen merited to become the Kohen Gadol, not because he was Moshe Rabbeinu's brother, 
not because he was the son of Amram, one of the four people that never sinned, not because of any other reason other than his zikui arabim, his kiruv, going from one person to another and helping them do tshuva. So if anybody wants to think in their imagination that they're better at doing kiruv than Aaron HaKohen, maybe you should institute yourself. Do the world a favor. But yet this Aaron HaKohen did not go to the Egyptians and ask them, maybe we can give lectures together, unify. He didn't go to the Moabites and say, maybe we should do a joint event so our people feel more comfortable. He didn't do that. He brought people to the Torah. He kept and observed the Torah as it is. Why? Because the Gemara in Masechet Moed Katan, page Yud Zayin, 17a, says that if your rabbi is like an angel, learn from him. If not, don't. What does it mean if your rabbi is like an angel? If your rabbi, if your teacher, is like an angel that does not have any personal type of evaluations of his own opinion, but rather is looking for what is the Torah opinion. If your rabbi, if your leader is looking for a Torah opinion, then that's what he goes with. Even if that opinion negates what he already believes. Rav Shmadron Shalom once heard that the uh, Israeli Zionist government was willing to work with them and fund the yeshivot so long as the leaders of the uh, uh, Orthodox communities would vote for the Zionists. Rashvadon initially danced about this in the meeting. Oh, great. Who cares what they want us to do? We're going to get unlimited funding for our yeshivot. But before we do this, before we say okay to the Zionists, we have to go ask the Chazonish. He goes to the Chazonish with one of the other leaders. And the Chazonish says to him, We do not benefit from partnerships with the enemy. But he said it in a way of a parable. What parable? There was a young man who had to get to a certain place. And his father asked him, You coming? No, no, Abba, I'm busy right now. What are you busy with? I'm busy. I just caught the Kozak. I just caught the enemy. Okay, but we need to go. No, no, but I caught the enemy. I got him. I got him. Don't worry. I got him. Shortly later, the, the Abba asked him, No, you coming? Abba, I can't. I'm still busy. Okay. No, you coming? Abba, I don't know what to do. What happened? The Kozak got me. When Rav Shmadon heard this, then in reality, the enemy is the enemy and Esav Sonet Yaakov. There is no such thing as peace with the enemy, not a spiritual enemy. There's no such thing. You can be cordial, but to work together, no such thing. No such thing. As soon as he heard this, being that just an hour before that, it was something that he danced about. He thought this is the greatest gift from heaven. But he heard one of the leaders of the generation say, no, not only it's not a gift, it's a trap. Without skipping a beat, Arab Spadron started dancing in the streets, 
thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for this Da'at Torah. And the Chacham that was next to him says, I couldn't believe it. Just moments ago he was dancing about the opposite thing and he just simply threw out what he thought was right and he was celebrating what is right according to Da'at Torah even more so. A person that is looking for what the opinion of the Torah is, go learn from him. A person that's looking to prove himself right, looking to prove his argument right, run away. Now what is the opinion of the Torah? We've said many things over the years, but we're going to give you something new. And this is special. Why is it special? Because this one is not for Ephraim Goldberg. See, Ephraim Goldberg has a two and a half hour shiur, a full of alachot that showed why what he's doing is forbidden. This alacha from the Shulchan Aruch that all of Am Yisrael are obligated to comply with, Orthodox, Hasidish, modern Orthodox, everyone, if you consider yourself a Torah observant Jew, this alacha is for you. Now, this alakha is hard. Why is it hard? Because it obligates. Or it simply makes you a heretic. One or the other. Ephraim, close your ears. It's not for you. You're not going to believe it anyway. You're a, I don't even know what you believe. But Mr. Katz, Boca Raton community, this one's for you. Shuchan Aruch, Siman, 179, Seif 19, the last, the last Seif in that Siman. This is a section, Dealing with dead people, demons. Yes, demons. This is part of our Torah. Hence the reason why it's foolish when people say that some of the great sages did not believe in demons. Nonetheless, this Shukhan Aruch is for all of Am Yisrael. Now what does the Shukhan Aruch say? It says, in the beginning it talks about a person that's burning incense for a demon. To connect it and to force this demon to do something. This is considered idol worship. In addition to this, a person that's a lumed, person that learns from an amgushi. We'll explain what an amgushi is in a moment. Alumed mina amgushi. Afilu divre Torah chayav mita. A person that learns from an Amgushi, even if he's learning Torah, death penalty, according to our Torah. Now you're going to move in, not even Ephraim. Not even Pastor Bemrick. According to our Shulchan Aruch, a person that learns from an Amgushi, death penalty. Not that we go kill them. Heavenly death penalty. You know, like, Coronavirus, cancer, 
car crash, all types of other wonderful ways that our holy Torah tell us that there is ways for Akadosh Baruch to kill a person. Gemara says there's over 900 ways that Hashem can kill a person. You can kill him either way, but 900 ways that we know of. But who is this Amgushi? Who is this Amgushi? If I said a, I don't know, an idol worshiper, okay, fine. Case closed. We're talking about an Amgushi. What is an Amgushi? The source for that Rabbi Yosef Karo is using is the Gemara. Gemara Masechet Shabbat, page 75a. Says the following. One who studies from an Amgushi. Even if he's learning words of Torah, Chayav Mitah is obligated with a death penalty. Rav Zutra says in the name of Rav, the one who learns even one matter, one thing from an Amgushi. One thing. Now it learns a whole shiur, a whole lecture, a whole video. One thing. Like, I don't know, anything. Anything that an Amgushi teaches. One thing, death penalty. It's no joke. It's Allah. Obligated with death penalty. What is this Amgushi? The very same Rav, the Rav Zutra is quoting, says, what's an Amgush? Or Magush, they also call it. A Magush is a priest, a mean, a missionary. That's what an Amgush is. Someone that teaches things that are connected to idolatrous beliefs, heretical beliefs, anything that is against our Torah on a regular basis, not accidental, not they misspoke, but this is what they do i.e. Christianity, Catholicism, uh, heretical atheism, all types of things. These are all considered minim. Min, minim is plural. These are also called amgushi. Or in the language of the Gemara, magush. A person that learns, a Jew that learns one thing from them, the only thing that they acquire for themselves from God is a heavenly death penalty. And this is the Psak Alakha in the Shulchan Aruch. Yoredea, Siman 179, Seif 19. This is not a matter of a rabbi, Ephraim, not having the character traits of Aaron Cohen. This is not a matter of a rabbi being like an angel or not being like an angel. This is a matter of the audience to such an event, such a speech, whether it be live on January 11th at the Bakaratona synagogue, or it be on the internet, just in the middle of the night because you're bored. Listening to missionaries, listening to things that are teaching against our Torah, is inviting the Malach Amavit to your house. That's what the Torah says. Now for all of those that are having a hard time asking, where is this written in the Torah? 
Where are the more modern rabbis speaking about this? Tosefta, Masechet Sota, Perek Yud Bet, 12, Alakha 2, Bet, brings a verse from the book of Kings 2, first chapter, verse number 16, where Achaziah, Achaziah, who, who stayed connected, who started connecting, to idol worship, got sick. Eliyahu Navi came to him and says, "Because you connected to idolatry, Akadosh Baruch Hu decreed death penalty on you." This verse was not written for Achaziah to read because he died. It was written for us to learn from. Eliyahu Navi said to Achaziah, Thus said Hashem, Because you sent messengers to inquire of the Baal Zavuv, the God of Ekron, is there no God in Israel whose word to inquire? Therefore the bed unto which you have climbed, you shall never go down from it, you shall surely die. The very next verse, he died, and the very next verse, verse number 17, is even more puzzling. Why? It says, Achaziah died in accordance to the word of Hashem that Eliyahu had spoken. Yehoram, his brother, reigned in his place in the second year of Yehoram, son of Yehoshaphat, king of Yehuda, for Achaziah had no son. So, we here see that Achaziah died and he had a replacement, but there's a lot of extra facts here. But how, when did he reign? It was in the second year of Yoram ben Yoshafat. So comes this Tosefta and says, why do you say that Yoram reigned during the second year? When we also know for a fact that his father Yoshafat, it says Yoram ben Yoshafat, his father Yoshaphat, he reigned for five years, and in essence, this time, right after uh, 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 he died, he reigned. He was still reigning. So why are you mentioning him when, in reality, Yoshaphat was still reigning? Why did the prophet say it like that? Why are you acting as if Yoshaphat also died? Tosefta answers. Because Yehoshaphat went with the evil, wicked king Ahav. When Ahav invited him to go to war against Gilad. Ahav was the king of Israel and Yehoshaphat was the king of Yehuda. And Yehoshaphat was a righteous king. But he joined, partnered with the wicked king Ahav. The moment that Yehoshaphat agreed to partner with Ahav, it was decreed in Shemaim for him to die also. And therefore the prophet doesn't count the years of Yehoshaphat because he was already considered as if he was a walking dead. Even though he was overall righteous, 
Yoshafat was considered a dead man walking. And therefore the years of his son are what's being counted. But to his fortune, Yoshafat did tshuva in the last second and got more years. That's in the Tanakh if you want to read the details. Now, of course the people that read into this see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only does not like idolatry, but this Allah of getting a death penalty is something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has implemented many times throughout history, written in our Torah, written in our Tanakh. But of course there are going to be people that ignore it. Why are they going to ignore it? Because you're going to have false prophets speak against it. The prophet Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse number 14, speaks about those false prophets and says the following. They relieve the impending disaster of my people by making light of it, saying, Shalom, Shalom, but there will not be no Shalom. Were they ashamed that they had committed an abomination? meaning they were connected to idolatry, they will never feel shame. They will not know humiliation, and therefore they will fall among the fallen. At the time I punish them, they will stumble, said Hashem. Jeremiah rebukes the false prophets and their followers that while he was warning people to not be connected to the wicked, to the idolatrous, although some people wanted to follow him, there was a few fake leaders, a few Ephraim Goldbergs and the likes, that said, nah, come on, this Jeremiah, he's fanatic. He's fanatic. Too much. Come with us. Be modern. Be friendly. Socialize. Don't be such a uh, caveman. Jeremiah says, those people were saying, peace, peace, shalom, shalom. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, there will not be peace. It looks like peace right now, but that will come to an end. And when the end comes, it's not going to look pretty. This unfortunately was not the first time Jeremiah warned us, also in chapter 2, verse 27. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, To me they turned their backs and not their faces. But in their time of distress, they will say, Arise and save us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows this type of game that we play with him. We say, no, no, let us go to these meetings. To show unification, even though it's forbidden. We act like as if it's good, even though the Torah forbids it. Even though the Torah says it's death penalty. But then, when there's a massive plague in the world, when there's a holocaust, when there's a distress of some kind, suddenly everybody becomes religious and prays to Hashem. Those prayers, unfortunately, are already decided at times like this. Why? Jeremiah says, the same chapter 2, verse 33, 
how you adorned your way to seek love. How you adorned your way to seek love. Indeed, to the greatest evils, have you accustomed yourself. Rashi, the holy sage from 900 years ago, says, what is Jeremiah talking about how we adorned ourselves to seek love and ended up acquiring the greatest evils? This is like an immodest woman, a putza, that beautifies herself to seek approval and companionship. That's how we've acted by seeking approval and companionship with the other nations and ended up adopting the worst of their practices. Rashi Kadosh talked about Ephraim Goldberg and all of his friends that are seeking approval and companionship from the church. You want to coexist? No problem. But to unite? There's no permission whatsoever. To invite them into our communities to speak? Even worse. Jeremiah the prophet says also, for all of those that say, nah, come on, this is an exaggeration. This is this, this is that. Behold, I'm entering into judgment with you because you are saying, I have not sinned. Now if you ask, if you ask, the very nice, but biblically forbidden speaker, Pastor Bamak. How is his relationship with Israel? He's going to tell you it's great. I don't know why you're ruining everything. Everything is working great. How great is it working? So great that he has a partnership with the Jewish Federation for at the very least seven, eight years. He has a partnership with a group of rabbis where they meet every single month. They had symposiums with over a hundred rabbis a couple of times. A Christian Judaic event with over 2,000 uh, 2, attendees. And a monthly meeting with different rabbis of course, some reform and conservative, but unfortunately also so-called orthodox rabbis that are meeting the pastor in a church among some synagogues too. It's forbidden for a Jew to attend a church. But Pastor Bemrick doesn't know this because his Jewish friends, the rabbis, apparently don't know it either. Bamrick is much more religious than the past, than the rabbis that he knows. Now Ephraim is going to tell you, yeah, but we are not Haredi. We are Jews that are observing Alacha. We have our Gdolim. We listen to them. And you perhaps have your opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. Even if you have sources, we disagree with your approach. We disagree with what you're saying. Well, I would respond to that, Ephraim and the rest of his followers. You're all lying to yourself. How are you lying to yourself? You're lying to yourself by saying that you, you have gdolim, you have rabbis you listen to. 
because you don't listen to them. You know how I know you don't listen to them? Because your own rabbi, your own leader, Arab Herschel Shechter, wrote about this. An article called Experimental Judaism, Playing with Fire. Rav Shechter writes the following, and I'll read it word for word, and you tell me if Ephraim and his supporters are following what their rabbi is saying. It's very painful to see that there is missionary activity taking place in Eretz Yisrael. The official Catholic response to the Zionist movement when it first began was that this dream will never be realized. They argued that Eretz Yisrael is the chosen land set aside for the chosen people and the Jews lost their special status as the chosen people when they rejected Jesus. In his words, Otoaish, that person. The establishment of the Medina, the country, in 1948 clearly contradicted this claim to the church of the church. To defend their position, they explained, meaning the missionaries, explained that the Medina did not include the Makoma Mikdash, the old city of Yerushalayim, or Hebron, meaning that all of the holy locations of ancient Eretz Yisrael and as such was not considered to be the chosen land. Immediately after the 1967 war, when all of these ancient holy places were also under Jewish control, the Pope proclaimed, and every year since then, all of the subsequent popes have made the same statement, that Jerusalem should become an international city. Because Jewish control of the old city of Jerusalem is a glaring contradiction to the claim of the church that we have for- forfeited our status as the Amanifcha, the chosen people, the church would like control to be taken away from the Jews to defend its theological position. The church feels that the missionary activities in Eretz Yisrael will ultimately lead to the Jews accepting Jesus and once again becoming the chosen people who rightfully rule over the Holy Land. Every so often, newspapers quote non-Jewish ministers claiming that they have a a covenantal connection with the Holy Land. This is a repeat of their ideological principle that Eretz Yisrael is the chosen land for the chosen nation. And that after the Jews rejected Jesus, they, meaning the Catholics, became the chosen nation to whom God's covenant with Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov to give Eretz Yisrael to their descendants applies to. How painful it is that some Orthodox rabbis also state that their brethren, the Catholics, have a covenantal connection to Eretz Yisrael. These rabbis, i.e. Goldberg and the rest of his friends, don't realize that by making such irresponsible statements, they are playing into the hands of the Avodah Zarah, idol worship. These same rabbis pride themselves on educating thousands of Catholics every year in the mitzvot of the Torah. The Chumash speaks of our accepting korbanot, which is sacrifices, from non-Jews. 
in Leviticus chapter 22 verse 25 and the halacha speaks of non-Jews volunteering as in he's not obligated but he does to observe additional mitzvot over and above the very basic seven mitzvot required by all Noahites see the Mishnah Bura at the end of Siman 304 in Biur however these rabbis are fundamentally mistaken in their understanding of this halacha we may only accept a non-jew sacrifices in the holy temple when they are offered leshamayim for heaven as long as they believe in jesus and are sacrificing to him this is outright avodazara idol worship and we may not allow these sacrifices to be brought on our mizbeach on our altar if a non-jew is convinced of monotheism and wears a talit and sits in a sukkah etc as in a nomitsuveveose we he's not obligated but he does this is commendable but if a non-jew still believes in jesus and wears a talit and sits in a sukkah as a means of identifying with that Abu this does not fall under the category of one volunteering mitzvot as he's not obligated and he does but is rather an act of deepening is committed to his avodazara woe unto those rabbis who are deepening and furthering avodazara commitments and practices years ago Rav Yosef Dov Slovichik warned both in his public addresses as well in his in written essays against having any such contact with the church how shameful it is that people who claim to be disciples of his have reinterpreted his words to mean the exact opposite of what they really say and have then added that even if at one time he did he did prohibit such interaction with the church this clearly no longer applies today to the best of my understanding the mashiach has not yet arrived and the world is still full of avodazara the early sages the achonim had a debate whether believing in the trinity constitutes avodazara for a noahide or not but for the jews there is no question that it is avodazara and even for abnei noach rav slovachik quoted in the name of his grandfather rav chaim slovachik that this understanding of the ramayim the shach was a shiga, uh, was a shkaga and it makes no sense to distinguish between a definition of avodazara for the jew or for the ben noach in so many words he's saying that the uh the um uh, Rav Slovachik said that there is no difference Christianity believing in the New Testament believing in Jesus is idolatry both for the Jew and the Gentile the human desire to be a mechadesh meaning a person that's a original thinker has misled these rabbis in Eretz Israel, and unfortunately his own so-called student Ephraim Goldberg and his friends to play into the hands of Abu Dazara and Shmad and destruction.
The words of this week's parasha stand out clearly to teach us that in Eretz Yisrael we are required to be even more careful when dealing with the church. Time and time again the Torah warns us that in Eretz Yisrael we must not get involved with Avodah Zarah. Officially, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the king over Eretz Yisrael. And the Midrashim refer to all of Eretz Yisrael as the palace of the king. The Ramban, in the end of Parashat Achremot, explains that the main location for observance of all of the mitzvot is Eretz Yisrael, and one who sins there is compared to one who rebels against the king's authority in his palace, which is a more brazen sin than sinning elsewhere. Apparently, the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael arouses strong feelings of spirituality that one must take care to channel properly. These strong feelings can mislead even the wise to get carried away by their imagination and their desire to be original thinkers and in turn to strengthen Avodah Zarah and Shmad. Shmad is destruction. Some rabbis have gained credibility by claiming to be disciples of Rav Slovachik, i.e. Ephraim Goldberg, and then have proceeded to totally misinterpret his views on these issues of Avodah Zarah and Shmad. These are the words of perhaps the Gdolador in the modern Orthodox world, Rav Hershel Shechter, written and published on Torah Web Foundation. You could find this online for free. It's called Experimental Judaism Playing with Fire. Now if you ask Ephraim, about the missionary before today Ephraim would tell you it's a perfectly fine unifying event if you ask his donors they'll say it's a perfectly fine unifying event if you ask Rav Shechter he'll tell you look at the Shukhan Aruch it's not perfect and it's not a unifying event, but rather it's forbidden according to our Torah to bring a Christian missionary into a synagogue, needless to say, to give him the stage to speak to Jews. Because one of those Jews could be enlightened and admire the speech pattern, admire the words, admire the body language, and even admire the look of this pastor and thereby want to continue this relationship and chas shalom can end up being someone that joins the church when everyone said i was crazy about what i did or tried to do and akadosh baruch Hu did the whole thing several years ago when the matthew kelly event happened it didn't take very long to prove the point because HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed us what happened. Just a short period of time, I believe it was a week or two, after that so-called event with Matthew Kelly was supposed to happen, every single house in the Montoya Circle, Boca Raton Synagogue neighborhood, got a missionary letter with a DVD in it. How do I know? I was there. I got one too. Every house got one. Every house got 
the follow-up package of an event that was canceled only a few days before it was supposed to take place. Meaning, the missionary was supposed to come to plant a seed in some way or another. Even if that's simply you liking the way he talks about nothing. But once you like the way he talks about nothing, that's when the venom really starts kicking in. Because then they start developing a relationship, putting you on a newsletter, on an email, on a mailing list. And what ended up happening, the whole community's mailing list was acquired one way or another. And every single member in that community that lived there at that time got in their mail missionary letters with a DVD of uh, talking about Israel and the church's relationship with Israel and all types of other garbage idol worship. The very same thing is happening right now. People will like to fool themselves. And that's why I say, don't listen to me. If you call yourself a Jew that's observant of Torah and mitzvot, listen to what the Shulchan Aruch says. Shulchan Aruch says, you attend that event. You support that event. You watch that event. You donate to the people that are hosting the event. You continue allowing Ephraim Goldberg and the rest of his staff to stay on their job. You are supporting idol worship and thereby the full ramifications of the Shulchan Aruch should be expected upon your head. Don't cry to HaKadosh Baruch Hu when disaster comes. This is not a curse, Chas Shalom. My whole job, my whole livelihood, my whole attention is dedicated to help Jews from their own spiritual stupidity. But once you bring it on yourself once, that's my problem I try to help you with. Once you bring it on yourself twice, then it's your problem. Don't cry to a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Don't cry to any rabbi. Don't cry to anyone. Because the Shulchan Aruch outright forbids every single thing that's happening in that community. From this moment on, every single second that Ephraim Goldberg stays in position, every second anybody that's on his staff that supported this event in the past and currently stays there is a sin on the entire Keilah. And every single one of you, do not cry to Hashem. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has had it with such garbage behavior. You're desecrating HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name and you're putting Jews' lives at risk by allowing missionaries to walk into your, into your uh, synagogues like it's a church. Shame on you. Shame on you for allowing such things to happen to put Jewish people's lives at risk. We have over half a million Jews have been converted to Christianity. Over 80% of the Jews in America are marrying Christians. Intermarriage is running rampant. Assimilation has become standard. Everybody cries about it as the so-called silent holocaust and you are promoting it. Yes, this makes us angry. And if it didn't, we should check our pulse because we will be spiritually dead just like all of the supporters that are part of this. You should be ashamed of yourself. Every single one of you that's not putting a stop to this, that's not firing Ephraim Goldberg from every single rabbinical position, he clearly has shown this is not a one-time mistake, but this is simply a behavioral pattern. This is his shita. This is his way. He is a danger to Am Israel much more than any missionary out there. As I said before, if Bemrick was a Jew... I would love to have him on our team because he's much more religious than many people that are supporting this event. 
Perhaps you sh- people should learn some Torah instead of publicizing Avodah Zarah. Be'ezrat Hashem, this too will give each one of us the chizuk that we need to finally do tshuva and stop desecrating Hashem's name and putting his kids in danger. Kol Tuv,
לברך את הרבנים, רגע, 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 מברך את הרבנים, הרב ירון ראובן, הרב אפרים כחלון, ראשי ארגון בעזרת השם, שערכו בפיונדון, שעלו מעלה מעלה, יהיה להם ברכה והצלחה, הקדוש ברוך הוא ימלא בלשונות ליבם, לטובה ולברכה, שבכל אשר יפנו ישכילו ויצליחו, ישכילו לעשות כאלה וכאלה, הודיעו תורה לאדירה, אמן ואמן. הוא היהודי הזה, הוא היה מיליונר, סגר את כל הביזנס, אמר אני משקיע פה בעולמה של טוב, בפלורידה. פלורידה, איפה זה פלורידה? באמריקה. במיאמי, כן, ליד. אנחנו שם עכשיו הולכים להקים קהילה ספרדית. קהילה ספרדית גדולה. קהילה ספרדית גדולה. הרב ירון ראובן, הרב אפרים כחלון, ראשי ארגון בעזרת השם, שערכו בפיונדון, 
שאלו מה למעלה, יהיה להם ברכה והצלחה. הקדוש ברוך הוא ימלא בלשונות ליבם, לטובה ולברכה. שבכל אשר יפנו, ישכילו ויצליחו. יזכירו לעשות כאלה וכאלה, הודיעו תורה לאדירה, אמן ואמן. הוא היהודי הזה, הוא היה מיליונר, סגר את כל הביזנס, אמר אני משקיע פה בעולמה של תורה, בפלורידה. פלורידה, איפה זה פלורידה? אמריקה. כן, ליד. אנחנו שם עכשיו הולכים להקים קהילה ספרדית. קהילה ספרדית גדולה. קהילה ספרדית גדולה.